Oh, what a lad and what a lad I have for you all today. Today's guest, he first burst onto the scene as a superstar with the New Zealand Seven side before coming a legend in the 15-man game with the Wellington Lions and, of course, the Hurricanes. He is also a double a double Rugby World Cup winner with the All Blacks in 2011 and 2015. And since moving to La Rochelle in France, he has well over 100 games for them at a world-class level. And as you're all about to find out, he is one of the biggest lads you will ever meet. It is the great Victor Vito. Welcome, brother. Hey, bro, man. What an intro. You do it so well for every single person I've heard on this place, so it's awesome, bro. <laughs> Mate, you're an easy one to pump up. You've done so many cool things. Oh, cringe, yeah. Carry on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I need to, start, need to start with something current. Your testicles, currently not playing. Because you're out with the testicle injury. <laughs> Talk to me about this. Oh. How did this happen? Oh, man. Um, my team, yeah, we played against Leon, had a home game. Defensive scrum, well, they put me on at seven. I was on the open side and I let the eight get around me too far, which um, I think is just the sign of the times. Um, <laughs> and then uh, as I was wrapping up his uh, waist as he made it to our first defender, the other, our other defender managed to whip his leg around and kick me straight in the nuts. So I carried on for... Till half time, played another 15 or well, 10 minutes or something, went off and I knew something was up, but far out. But it wasn't until I looked down after the game and had like the size of an orange, or I don't normally have nuts the size of an orange, freaking, or well, the left nut anyway. Not far off that. It was, <laughs> and I ain't beaver, but um, bro, it was it was crazy. So sore, so sens- like sensitive, it was, it was nuts. Well, excuse the pun, but far out. It was crazy, bro. And uh, so I'm out for two or three yeah. weeks, bro, and they're still sensitive today. True. So what? what's the um, rehab for that? <laughs> oh, honestly, the, they did a scan and they were like, oh, it looks like it's fractured. And I was like, a fractured nut? What is it? And you're like, oh, operation. When they're going to need to sew it together or take it out. I was like, oh, man, I was freaking, I was freaking the hell out, man. I was like, fire out. What the hell does that mean? Can I still have kids? Or yeah. Yeah, all the Frenchies are like, oh, at least you got three already. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, well, I still want to have a working nut, though. But um, luckily, they just you know, went to a specialist the next morning and he said, look, it should be all right. If you just if it starts going down, then we can just leave it like that and it will just take two or three weeks to start running. But no exertion or activity like that. So just chill for two weeks and then we'll see how you feel. So the last week and a bit, I've just been literally sitting on my ass doing nothing. Crazy. And was that pain, you yeah. know, when you get a little tap in the nuts and it's just excruciating pain? Was it like that, but... Times a hundred, or is there sort of a yeah, practice? literally like that times a hundred. And I just, I just felt like going for a shit the whole time. Like once it <laughs> happened, I just had this little knot in my stomach, and I just felt like I needed to go for a shit. And it lasted for about three, four days. That feeling, like, but I couldn't push the idea because I just, it would just felt like I was going to explode or something just behind my abs. So I was, oh, it was, it's wrong. But uh, it, I'm surprised it doesn't happen, happen more often. To be fair, but. There I go. I just, I guess, I deserve the kick in the nuts for letting that number eight get so far outside me. <laughs> and how you, how do you think it's going to be when you come back? Everything just back to normal. Just you don't have to wear any sort of pad or box, cricket box or anything. Uh, man, yeah, I don't think so. I think they're just going to wait till they said it's just going to, it's just going to work in terms of how much pain I got. So it's amazing the amount of times you actually graze your nuts on random things like you know your pant leg or you're sitting down in a chair and. You just take it for granted. You don't even think about it. But when they're this sore, yeah. literally, like every little movement is. <laughs> so to think about running around a rugby field right now, like man, I've I've got another week at least, I reckon. So 
it's just just gonna wait for it to go down the, with the pain, and then I can I can come back. Mate, that's crazy. And and how are the boys going at the moment um, over there in the comp? What's the what's the competition like with COVID? I see a few games get cancelled, but they seem to be getting through most of them. Yeah, they're getting through most of them. A um, couple of games or a few games last week got cancelled. Um, we're coming in at fifth at the moment, but the table is literally six points you know separating the top guys and the sixth guy so it's it's not much um, not much between us at the moment and is COVID running rampant over there at the moment again or is that all pretty under control now uh it was under control when they um like when we got our vaccines um they just said look we're not once everyone gets their doses we're not going to test anymore and we'll just keep playing our games but um since they announced the mandates for the third they started testing again and yeah look most teams like it's rugby like we're literally <laughs> tackling and touching each other all the damn time and cases are starting yeah. to mount up and yeah games are getting cancelled now and starting to look a bit ominous for the future like we've already had bath transferred to another date so postponed sorry um so we're gonna have to play that maybe in the holiday period in february coming up so yeah it's it's all over the place at the moment because as soon as you have five cases your game has to get cancelled and you know, some teams oh, really? are having like 15, 16 cases each week. So, And you're a COVID survivor yeah. too, aren't you? How, how, did, how did you find it? <laughs> Mate, it was actually, um, it was actually um, weird. It was just like a, a bad flu um, where I just got a bit of a fever for a day or two. And then um, if anything, the worst thing about it was I lost my uh, taste. I lost my taste. I couldn't really smell too much. Um, and so, you know, food and that was uh, pretty non-enjoyable, but it was kind of good, at, I guess, because I also was just able to eat some good stuff and it tasted just as good at the bad, as the bad stuff. So <laughs> started being a little bit better with my diet that way. So, no, it was good, man. Uh, I, I managed to get through a while and Amber was okay. And it's just, I'm actually kind of glad that we had it now because that fear is kind of gone. Like for the longest time, we were yeah. kind of just like, man, I don't want to get it so bad. And yes, it's pretty niggly but um luckily we're young enough in our case to to get it not so bad move on and carry on but some guys have got it twice already three times some guys in our team so it's oh, really? it's gonna be around for a while yeah and how long did you lose your smell and taste for was that a long period or? it's about six weeks bro so oh, about five or six weeks um pretty long time <laughs> pretty long time for a guy that likes mm. his tupper so um man it was it was a long six weeks but thank god they're back now Thank God. And other than um, COVID and a swollen testicle, you've managed to have a pretty good run over there. Like you've racked up a heap of games, eh? So oh, I remember the first few years you're over there. I don't think you missed a game for like the first three seasons. And they play heaps of games, obviously. So you're well over a hundred games already over there. So, mate, have you found the footy, mate? The footy, yeah. Like you say, um, barely missed a game in my first few seasons, and I think that's why I'm a bit of a broken ass now. <laughs> Literally just paying for it now. Um, yeah, I play, played nearly 100 games in my first three and a half, four seasons. So, yeah, it's literally, um, they reckon I'm up pretty quick over here. And what's quite interesting is, you know, the, the season will change, but the atmosphere doesn't change, if you know what I mean, in terms of the team. And obviously back home, we've got Super and the United, or Mitre team when you go to a different team, a bit of a change in scenery, change in guys. Um, but here it's, you know, the same team pretty much, you know, for pre-season through to mid-season and off-season for 10 months sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's a long grind, but um, that's where it is a, a bit of a marathon as, as opposed to a race like it is back home. And the rugby itself, man, it's gone so much better. Like when I first got here, it was the defence was playing up, like guys rushing in and out of lines, creating holes everywhere. It's probably why I wasn't so bad in the first year. Whereas now, um, as everyone has seen with French rugby, it's, it's pretty damn good. Uh, so it's much tougher. And we've spoken to Jason Eaton about La Rochelle a little bit and 
the one thing that stood out to me was how you guys were training and just training games. You weren't doing skills or anything like that. No patterns, no game plan. It was just playing games. Is it still like that or give us a little bit of rundown on oh, that? There's, 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 still elements, there's still elements of that. We do love to play a little bit of drop-off touch and all that kind of stuff still, but um, a lot more uh, a lot more change, I guess, once uh, guys like we've had John Gibbs come through now and Ronan O'Gara, obviously they've got a few more ideas as to what they want to be playing like and some set pieces and whatnot, so yeah. there's a lot more of that focus now. Um, it wasn't the same even when Piggy was here. We obviously focused on our set piece because, like, honestly, set piece wins everything. Yeah, if you've got a scrum, if you've got a line out more, like, or you can got to win your line out ball first. But if you got those three things sussed, you're pretty much going to be guaranteed to be in the top eight, you know, every year. So they spend a lot of time on that, and then uh, when they actually, you know, play phase rugby, mate, it's just a we call it disorder over here. So it's just like it's a disorder, just like disorderly. The games they just kick the ball, we play choose another ball, kick it somewhere else and just keep playing. It's, uh, it's full on, especially for these old knees, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the way the game's going with some of the sequences going on pretty long. Yeah. And how are your knees? Like you've spoken about your body being a little bit broken. Is, is that mainly just your knees? Oh, it's just my right knee, bro. Um, yeah, I've got grade four arthritis on there. So it's just, um, just been a bit of a matter of time, <laughs> just a matter of time. Yeah. And if anything, I've um, had a little surgery uh, late last year around, September and just to get the meniscus right and that's worked that's worked quite well um it's just the pain now you know it doesn't blow up anymore but I've just got to manage the pain so if anything it's just my um my pain threshold and how long that can hold out for and I'm a bit of a wimp so I don't know how much longer I've got <laughs> <laughs> do you feel that when you're out playing or is it more during the week training man it's actually yeah 100% during the week I would say um during the week, it's you know it's just all the the forward sessions and the you know all our team runs and all that. I think that getting through those are, are, are way harder than getting yourself up for one eighty minute game on a on a Saturday. Yeah, you know you can take a few pills and strap it up and run around like he man. But as soon as that strapping comes off, bro, like my legs like a noodle. So <laughs> mm. it's uh, definitely the training that uh, that makes it tougher. Mate, that gets really hard then, eh? And then you're probably not able to do extras, or you're pretty quick to get off the training field just because you need you want to do the right recovery because you know a good knee is probably better than what you're going to get out staying out on the field trying to do a few more extras is it like that as well yeah 100% during the week bro like I started like I never used to be someone that likes swapping in and out like I just love mm. getting reps and just perfecting my timing with my relationships with the you know the 10s or whoever or whoever I'm working with never loves never liked swapping out but now like it's swapping out to my best friend like just to <laughs> save the knees and do a little bit more uh, mental homework at home on huddle or whatever so it's uh it's definitely changed but i mean that's hey that's uh that's just what's got to happen i guess sounds all too familiar to me <laughs> and then it gets hard to know when when the right time for you to stop hey because you is this the end of your contract this season yeah this season's the end of my contract bro and then you, you're obviously probably going to get big offers all around the world a superstar like yourself um to keep playing and then it's whether you want to take up that money or whether you're looking to say that enough is enough and it's a really hard decision to make eh? yeah it is a hard decision to make because um yeah it's the only life you've known for well i guess for myself professional 17 18 years it'll be going on so it's mm. uh it's a lot of life uh, dedicated to one thing but at the same time um i'm quite excited to to find out what's on the other side too you know um rugby was always gonna gonna end someday and 
it's probably one thing where I've been quite lucky is, um, well, my school was never good at rugby, you know, and they always reminded me when I was younger, like, okay, well, what if you break your leg and you can't have a career? What are you going to do then? So they've always put yeah. their little what if in me. And, and luckily, I've, you know, I should be all right to finish up. Obviously, man, the money won't be the same, but, um, you know, I should have a little bit of a buffer to be, be able to look at other things. But rugby-wise, I still feel if it wasn't for the knee, like it would be like you with your hips. Like if it wasn't for the hips, everything else feels good. You know, like I, it, my body, I still feel like I can run around. It's just, yeah, it's just the knee that's uh, holding me up a little bit. So it's a hard one when your ego is telling you, you can still go, mate. Keep going. Yeah. And especially with the new carrot probably for you at the end of the tunnel with the Samoa eligibility rules, a Rugby World Cup just around the corner. Um, have you looked much into that? Oh, man, like it's, um, first of all, I was just I was just really happy to hear that they made the change. Like, it's going to give so many guys the opportunity to, you know, to get back onto the international circuit and just really showcase the best the world really has to offer, you know. Um, also especially for the, you know, the Tongans, the Samoans, you know, I think, um, you know, guys like Stephen Lautour and Charles Piotr, like all these guys are going to be able to be seen again. But for me personally, like, mm. made up. Yeah, there comes that ego again, man. I'm like, yeah, man, I've got heaps to offer. But, you know, I'm thinking now, 2022, we've just entered into. World Cup's a good 18 months away. Man, I'd have to be really looking after my knee, but also playing some really good rugby and not taking the opportunity away from someone else, you know? Like like you said before, I've won a couple of World Cups now. Luckily, I've timed it well to be in those teams. And, you know, if, if someone else will really deserve the chance to experience that and create his own career off that, I think... Um, that's more what should happen than, you know, unless they really needed my, and I was playing good enough, you know, 100% I'll never say no, but yeah, it's just something that I'd have to, a bridge I'd have to cross at the time, but at the moment it seems pretty far away to be fair. Oh, you're a lad giving up an opportunity like that. But how do you think, how do you think Samoa would go? Like, um, obviously last, last World Cup, they'll probably be pretty disappointed with how they went. Whole new chance to bring back, like you say, a lot of experience, a lot of guys who have played at that, the highest level before what sort of impact is that going to have on the side oh i think um i think they they still are very uh obviously very traditional they love to stick to the boys from the island but there will be some experienced guys that i'm sure they'll be looking to bring back and obviously goody like your good mates obviously going to be looking after the team so mate he's they've got some good coaches in there and i know they've got the skills and some of the experience uh can come back from you know from guys like steven as i was saying before so Mate, there's you know guys like Chris Vui as well. He's played some top level rugby as well, so it's it's going to be exciting to see the kind of things that they can do and bring together. There's obviously the bus as well. You know, I would love to see him running out there. Yeah. Uh, but um, mate, there's uh, I, I guess they've just got to get their they've got to choose their squad and who they're going to build it around, and then from there they that's when they can see where they can go. I guess. Any predictions? What what's the highest position a island nation's going to finish at the World Cup? For me, um, man, I, one team I do love watching from the islands, I always have is Fiji at the moment. Like, they've yeah. just they're just physical freaks, man. Every single player from one to thirty-five, <laughs> like, literally, absolute specimens. And uh, if they get their uh, if they get their set pieces and all that kind of stuff right, um, I could see them quite easily being in a quarter, if not at least if not a semi. You know, like they're just that good. So. I'll, I'll put my money on Fiji going pretty far. Nice. I like that. Heard it here first. Fiji, semi-finals. We'll look back at this in a few. <laughs> <laughs> in 18 months. <laughs> <It'll be great>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but you did mention a little bit about Scott's College before, so we will go back to your um, 
childhood. I know you grew up in Wellington. I know a fair bit about your childhood, but give us a bit of a rundown for our listeners about what your life was like growing up. Yeah, um, yeah born in Wellington. Um, went to school at Scots College. Uh, actually, before that, I was at a little primary school in, uh, in Brooklyn, a public school, and then my mum actually won a uh, bit of a lottery, actually, to get me into a private school. It was like a government uh, scholarship thing just put my name in a ballot and got pulled out. So I was pretty lucky there. Went to Scots and I went there from about eight years old all the way to the end of high school. Um, played all my rugby through there and yeah, it's literally lived all my, all my life in Wellington. And uh, we weren't that great at, at rugby as I, as I alluded to before. <laughs> so we managed to get around and play a lot of schools, third 15s and even Nelson College's second 15. <laughs> Like, we literally couldn't touch your first 15 at all. And I think we even lost that second 15 game as well as my first 15 player. So it's uh, not so many great memories, but it was a good time. It was a good good learning curve, and uh, we definitely uh, were not bad by the time I left. But they've actually gone on and won since I left. So that's a couple of times, actually. So that's cool. They've done pretty well now. How did that lottery work? Like, so you weren't selected because of your athletic ability or anything like that. Was it genuinely just lucky duck? Oh, it was literally just um, a scholarship for low-income families um, that uh, wanted to give one of their kids a chance to, to go to a private school. And I think it was the national government at the time. They put in two, literally in Wellington, it was like two kids can go, one boy, one girl. I think there were like 80 or close to 100 uh, entries. And literally, I just my name got pulled out and I did an interview and the school said yes. So, so lucky, you know, like pretty pretty grateful to have had that opportunity and getting to rub shoulders with some people who um, managed to turn me on a little bit scholastically because I was pretty horrible at doing my homework. Um, but uh, they managed to fix that up pretty quick. Went and boarded there as well, which was pretty awesome. Like, highly recommend that for any lads going around. Like, it's, yeah, boarding is an awesome experience. Mate, some good words there too. You're obviously a very well-educated man. <laughs> well, I, I learned how to do my homework anyway. And uh, when you're in the boarding house, bro, like third form, well, that's what, year nine, I guess they say now, you had to do two hours solid homework and you never get that much homework. You know, you get like 20, 30 minutes, but you had to sit there for a solid two hours. So like if you were caught asleep, the dean would come and literally smack you on the back of the head. So you had to do something. So we just pretend to read when you see the prefect coming around. But man, it was it was hard yakka, but it taught some good stuff. Yeah, is it true you were playing soccer up until you went to Scots? Yeah, I played football all the way through. Um I actually really loved playing football. Um, it wasn't it wasn't until I went to Scots that I yeah exactly played rugby because they were like I was telling them how much I love football and I'd love to join their first eleven or just even try, and they were like oh yeah that's yeah. great you look like you could play rugby and um, I looked at my <laughs> mum and my mum was like yes he plays rugby like <laughs> and she hated me hated the thought of me playing rugby she was the whole reason I played soccer so. Yeah, just like that, to get the scholarship, I'm playing rugby, and I, obviously I'm going to have to thank them for that because um, it worked out not so bad in the end. Were you any good at soccer? I Honestly, in my mind's eye, from thinking back, I felt like I was real good. But now, when I look at some real big kids running and some little kids making way for them, I'm actually, I think I was just bigger and none of the kids wanted me to fall on top of them, so they just made way. I thought I was good, but I got chucked in the goal a few times too, so that should be an indication. <laughs> So were you always a massive kid? Oh, yeah, I was, I was a bit tubbier when I was younger. So um, always the, the guy, because I was an only child, you know, so I just mm. was given all the food all the time, finished mum and dad's plate off as well, go to the cousins and they'll 
has some extra food for me as well. So unfortunately, um, put it put it on a little bit. But luckily, my cousins, you know, they were pretty sporty, and I just sort of caught the bug off them because I was the most unco one out of the lot. Uh, just the younger one as well. So I just chased them around trying to play basketball or whatnot. Kept on getting thrown out of the game because I didn't know what a double dribble was or a travel and all this other stuff. But <laughs> managed to learn it, and no, nah, it's yeah. Luckily, um, they gave me a bit of that that upbringing to play some sport. <laughs> And what was it like going to Scots College? I, I'd imagine you were one of a few. Was there many Islanders there? Yeah, there was a grand total of about four of us. Four <laughs> um, in the whole yeah, school. Yeah, there was about yeah. four in the whole college. In the whole college. Uh, so all the way, because Scots had, uh, they started primary from five years old all the way up to 17. And I think there were literally only four oh, of us. Yeah. There was a young guy, Tim Sartu, who took me under his wing and he looked after me. And yeah, it was, it was tough, man. Like, because we obviously low income scholarship and then all of a sudden I'm in this posh as uniform kids are rolling up in mercedes and all these nice ass cars and the drop-offs yeah. and caps and the ties mate it was um it was pretty daunting at first to be fair mm. and they did this thing called cross country which i felt was absolutely unnecessary <laughs> mate, there's all the running like all these uh, house meets and the house sports and it was awesome but that was the one that and swimming that i just never looked forward to and um mate it was definitely out of my comfort zone but um i think any growth comes from any challenge and i definitely had to had to grow pretty quick over there yeah like you say about all the rich kids did you did you feel uncomfortable around that or did you just own it own it being from the low-income family uh oh i was only like eight years old so to be fair i was actually quite embarrassed <laughs> like that i didn't have i didn't have some of the things like i wouldn't um i wouldn't even go to parties sometimes because you know like kids are having parties all the time they're like oh i'm turning nine you got to come and I'd go to a, the first per, the birthday I went to was one of my mates, Nigel, that went to like McDonald's or something, the classic park there. We went there, took presents, and my, my present must have only cost about 10 bucks, not even, which is a lot for us. And like, he's yeah. getting like action mans and all these mean ass toys. And I'm just like, oh, don't open my present. Like, I think I gave him a boomerang, like, like a foam, I gave him a foam boomerang. Like, and he was like, so good though. He was like, oh, no, nah, thanks, man. This is awesome. And I could just see it. And I was like, I'm not going to any more of these birthdays. So like, yeah, funnily enough, the kids were good enough to still invite me, even though they saw my presence. Um, but I started like shying away from those sorts of things where I had to sort of um, show my wealth or my lack of, I guess. Um, and then like when I got dropped off home, like we had a tiny little rack shack house and and I just tell them to drop yeah. me off around the corner, you know, like, no, nah, no, nah, I just drop me off at the, at the dairy. Like, it's all good. Like my mum, I've got to grab something for my mum. Full, like straight out lie. <laughs> I just be like, later, bro, later they drop me off. Then I just walk around somewhere in my household because I don't want them seeing where I was. So yeah, it was, it wasn't easy, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. I've learned a lot from it though. Mate, that's crazy. So the, when did the, when did the rugby start for you? Obviously, once you went there, did you pick it up straight away? Were you naturally gifted? I think, um, yeah, no, the first time they put me into a rugby team, obviously I would have only just been eight or nine, and um, we played a rugby game. They gave me the ball. I saw a whole line of kids running at me. I actually ran backwards, and I freaking threw the ball <laughs> over my head. And so, <laughs> and they were like, uh, knock on. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it's quite funny. I'll never forget it. Like, and then my coach pulled me aside, and he was like, man, I know you're scared. I know you play soccer. Um, and like I was scared I was like what the hell is going on here like I've been playing soccer my whole life and these guys want to take my head off and so um but then the first time like the next the next week that I ran forward I actually scored a try so and I was like oh like it hurt getting hit and all that but I was like oh it's, you sort of slowly learn it's not such a bad game and 
all of a sudden, yeah, just, I don't know, I was a bit bigger as well. So, yeah, I just managed to make some rep teams and got taken through by some really good players under their wings as well. And, yeah, just went through the wines and age grades, I guess. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to go through with guys like Faifili at Levave and, and Serge Lilo and guys like that. So, yeah, it's been uh, been a pretty cool ride coming through Wines. And when did you think that rugby could actually be a career? When did you think this was this could be a thing here? Uh, it was it probably wasn't until I made New Zealand 17s. Um, oh, yeah. And I went to their camp in Palmerston North, and they obviously, they've got like a camp up there for a week. And, you know, when I, once I started seeing some of the names that I've, I'd only really read in papers because like, our team was no good, but I'd heard of, you know, there were guys like Tama Makamaka and like Hika Elliott, all these, all these well-known names back in the day. Um, when I saw them in the same camp as me and I, everyone was already talking about them being All Blacks one day, I was like, man, like if I'm rubbing shoulders with them, maybe, maybe I can make something out of this. And it wasn't until that camp really. Um, but that dream got broken pretty quick when I had to do the 3K. When <laughs> they do the 3K time trial and then, you know, like coming back behind some of the props and they're like, mate, are you a loose sport or what? Like, like pretty, pretty good speed time, pretty good this and that. And then all of a sudden the 3K and it was just like, mate, you're horrible. So, oh, it was, um, Steep learning curve at, at each step, but uh, yeah, never really been a long distance athlete. You must have gone back and worked on that, uh, worked on your fitness pretty hard because then you did end up making the New Zealand 19s. I think you're captain of New Zealand 21s. Um, was that the, was fitness pretty much the only thing you were needed to work on? Yeah, that was probably my Achilles heel for a long time. And um, if anything, I was just lucky uh, when I was 16 to um, have gone along to a Wellington 7s uh, training uh it was over the summer there was no not much rugby going on so i just decided to go have a run with them and they played a couple of uh tawnies as they do as they go around nothing official just yet and i managed to get a bit more fitness um work off a bit of the puppy fat and we you know went down to queenstown when i was 17 and it was mate i, I had a ball um i actually went to the new zealand sevens camp and that that broke me uh, fitness wise like i knew as soon as i made it through that camp i was like if I can make it through this, then, you know, like one thing that Lotte Rakabolo always used to say is like, you're not going to die. We're always on the line. And I felt like I was going to die, but he always reminded us, remember <laughs> boys, you're not going to die. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I think going through Titch's camp really, uh, literally reshaped me uh, as a player just because I wasn't so, wasn't so worried about it, ready to push the limits, I guess. So you didn't make the squad that time, but a, a few years later, um, you were in the squad and absolutely ripping it up. I remember... Everyone remembers the Wellington Sevens tournament where you sort of burst onto the scene, didn't you? But pre that tournament, no one really knew who Vic DeVito was. After it, everyone knew who you were. So what was what was that whole experience like? Oh, mate, um, you know, I think anyone that goes through the, the Sevens circuit with Titch um, can appreciate how hard you work. Um, obviously, you know, um, it's, it's hard yakka, but man, it's so much fun. Like, you know, you're playing music in the changing room before you go out. Like, it's, it's a pretty pure form of rugby you know like it's mm. defensively like there's no one to clean up your mistakes you know you make one mistake well it's a try like it's gone um yeah. so i love my time there and um if anything just helped me sort of learn how to how to work with space and sort of trust myself as well to to just go for it uh, i think that's one thing that Titch always taught me um i was always a little bit hesitant when i was a rugby player because um because i came through a school that wasn't that well known like i never really felt like i deserved to be in these bigger teams like these rep teams because it was you know Wellington Colleges, St. Pat's Town, you know uh, Silverstream, all these guys that come through that never even heard of me because I'm playing freaking Div 3, Div 2 rugby you know 
um so i always had that little thing where i was like oh i'll just offload or make it for someone else but sevens was like the first time where it was like literally you go and score the try like you've got to go do it so i think that experience was awesome for me not only for fitness but also just being able to back myself and go and you're on the wing there too eh so was that was that part of that yeah so yeah i don't don't know what happened but somewhere along the line i i picked up a little bit of pace because i was never like that quick but I, th- I think just training with the sevens boys and uh, I think a lot of the time too, actually, I'd be on the the outside side of the scrum. So I'd scrum because I was a loose forward and closer oh, yeah. to the sideline. And then as soon as I went out, I would just reload. Like they were try- they knew I wasn't the fitter, so they'll just <laughs> keep me staying, <laughs> just doing as little work as possible. And poor DJ and that are running hard out like the hook they're doing all the work. <laughs> so they looked after me pretty well, so um yeah I th- the wing was awesome bro it was a good a good place to learn this, the game and also knowing how to how to read space and trying to beat guys one-on-one mm. and what was it like post that tournament because obviously you did have an amazing tournament that year and people were comparing you to jonah and all all these massive claims so what was it like for you to sort as a young fella to handle all that mate um jonah was one of the big guys i always looked up to so i knew as soon as they started talking like that um you know always got reminded of you know ne- you're never as good as they say you're never as bad as they say so i think um yeah yeah i think i just knew that uh it was it was a bit of a bubble to make sure to keep my feet on the ground and luckily i had good people around me and i always had that thing around mm-hmm. about me that i yeah just just keep it level because i knew i hadn't done anything yet because you know 15s is where i knew i wanted to go but um mm-hmm. i just wanted to enjoy mm-hmm. the the moment of being who I am and there could never be another Jonah. And I think he told me that actually I ran into ran into him at a supermarket one time and he just, that had just happened, um, funnily enough. And he was just like, first thing he said to me, he was like, bro, just, you know, you're you, bro, you be you. Don't worry about anything else. And I was just like, yeah, thank God, because I can never be that. Because he's huge, bro. Like, <laughs> he is an absolute monster, you know, like, so awesome to hear it from the horse's mouth. So, yeah, I just needed to be me and I'm, <laughs> I'm glad the advice was given to me by the man himself. Mate, how good is that? Advice from Jonah. Love that in yep. the supermarket. <laughs> Miramar, let's go. Did you ever think about playing wing, though, like in the 15-man game? Because I remember there being sort of whispers that you might look at playing wing or um, might be more suited to wing at 15. So did that ever cross your mind? Yeah, it was funny. I... um. I had this conversation with uh, with Smithy Wayne Smith, and um, this is once I made the All Blacks as a loose forward, obviously. And I think a couple of years in, he was like, "Did you know that I actually wanted to transform you into a winger when I first saw you?" But um, yeah. we always had me playing. I was, I was on the bench a lot, obviously for the All Blacks, but I'd always be covering wing. You know, some for some reason he'd pull me out, and he'd be like, "Oh, Vic, during this training week, I need you to start practicing your up and unders." And I was like, "Oh, all right, <laughs> sweet. I'm not holding back at eight. So is this wing?" He was like. Yeah, yeah, just if, just what if, like, it won't happen. And then sure enough, like, yeah. against Canada in the World Cup, they're like, I started at the at the loose forward at seven, and then I finished up at wing. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I never seriously gave it any thought, though, because I always, I always knew I wanted to be a loose forward because I found it way more, I loved the, the camaraderie in the forwards, and I knew I wasn't anywhere near fast enough to be a winger. So, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely glad I stayed in the forwards. <laughs> Yeah, longevity too with the knees. <laughs> tough, tough yeah. getting to top speed with dodgy knees. <laughs> uh, no, but you'd obviously already played for the Wellington Lions before that tournament. So what was that like going from being in Wellington Lions as I think you were 19, 20, and then coming back post 
the sevens. Was there was there much of a difference there? You're obviously playing with lots of legends. I think the All Blacks were still playing in the comp those days. So, and Wellington had some big names in their side. Yeah. So when I first made the Lions in 2006, it was um, pretty crazy because I'm playing with legends like you know Thomas Waldron, Jerry Collins, Chris Masoi, Ronnie Soyalo, like. These are all like crazy. all blacks yeah. and super rugby stars and you know, even Scooter Wardrum, like guys that are just legendary for me. And um mate, it was probably the best um some of the best years I ever had just learning under those guys and um coming through that generation and obviously then Jerry moved on and Rod as I said, got to play with him in the Hurricanes, then he moved on. It's just yeah, just to have been able to play with those lads. Um and then obviously in the Lions and then going to sevens, coming back after with Jamie Joe, like that was probably, he's the one that actually pulled me out of the sevens. And he told me I needed you because we had two more tournaments left in the sevens. And he uh, asked me, look, if you want to play 15s, you've got to come back now. Um, and I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Had a meeting with him, sat down. He was like, mate, uh, how do you think you're, you're going in the 15s game? And I was like, oh, um, I think I'm right. And he was like, I think you might need to harden up. And I was like, Oh, I was like, ah. <laughs> and I was like, man, like, uh, alrighty. I knew it though. Like, I knew I was accountable, accountable enough to know. And I was like, no, nah, I agree, hundred percent. He goes, yep, we're gonna get you into those dark places, mate. Don't you worry. And then yeah. from there, like, literally, some of the trainings we did around uh, two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, mate, it was uh, unreal. Like, yeah, just worked so hard, worked so so hard, doing so many tackles, so many more, so much rocky. Like, it was. He probably was the one guy that helped me really uh, hone my craft a little bit as a as a bit more of a loose forward, being able to get my head into those dark places. Mm. Were you ever tempted to just stay with sevens, or was that never an option for you? Uh, it was tempting more for the lads because I loved the, loved touring. I was so, you know I was young at the time, I was like twenty one or something, and yeah. just flying around. You know, we had we just left San Diego and Hong Kong and all that, and I was, we had I think we had Scotland and London left back in those days, so. Um, you know, it was pretty exciting. I was like, yeah, man, let's go. But um, I knew I always wanted to, to aim for the All Blacks. And I knew actually more the Hurricanes. Like the Hurricanes, you know, I just really wanted to make that team. And uh, the way things worked out from then as well um, was pretty unreal. Yeah, and then you did make the Hurricanes. So what, what was it like going into that team, though? The team of your dreams, the dr your team you always wanted to play for, finally get in there. What was what was it like going in there? Oh, it was, um, it was unreal. Like, just like I said, having guys like Rodney around and just learning off the wisdom that they had like you know i had a problem with fitness and that but he was probably someone that never got tired you know literally didn't even sweat yeah. would be doing massive uh, fitness sessions even thomas wardrum like for a big guy like man he can shift and he was fit it was um mm. it was a really good learning curve for for me with how they worked and how they placed themselves even barney like loved to, to drop a long punt from the 22 if he just caught it at eight or something so it also <laughs> gave me that license to just well not that i ever really kicked the ball but more just to be yourself really when you when you're in the team mm. and so um i got actually injured early on um i got left behind sorry in africa when they left in my first season i went and played sevens came back i actually got called called over to africa because scooter tried to rip a rip a hook shot i think in indoor cricket and then he got injured d done his uh <laughs> done his rib so i got called over and literally played the whole year from then on in 2009. was that at number eight uh I started number six, actually. Started at number oh, six. Yeah. And obviously, massive Hurricanes career. Ended up with 100 games exactly. Um, what a way to finish that was. But um, your whole Hurricanes journey was one of the greats. And 
one thing that really stands out was the 2015 final um, when we lost to the Highlanders. That was a year where felt like we probably should have won it, and then we get to the final and um, couldn't do the job. And I remember just how upset you were after that game. I remember you not coming out for a, for a while. You were home-ridden for a while there, eh? So talk to me about that whole experience leading up to that final and how you felt. Oh, look, um, if anything, yeah, that, that final... Leading up to it, I think it was just more when I was thinking of how well we'd been doing. I think we just finished, you know, from the regular season uh, pasting. Uh, I think we finished, we beat the Highlanders in our last game. Well, they gave them a creaming at Hawke's Bay. And then we ended up playing a couple of games. I think we finished with the Brumbies as well, like beat them quite convincingly as well. And heading into their final with everything that was happening during the week with legends like Snakey and Ma'a and Franksy and Thrush, all these guys heading off, I was like, if there was a time to do it, man, it's it's now. And um, yeah, just the way the Hollanders came out, we just, mate, they absolutely took us by surprise. We were never able to recover. And mm-hmm. like you say, that game finished, they won. And I, I couldn't even, um, I was just so disappointed for the fans and just for my family and everyone because I'd expected it so bad, you know, that we were going to win. Yeah. Literally, like, because of how mean we were rolling the whole year. Um, and then literally, I just stayed home. You're right. Like, I think I came out and did our mad Sunday or mad Monday and just after that literally went home and didn't leave till like Wednesday or Thursday I think it was to go down the road to get a coffee I just I just stayed home didn't want to see anyone because I was just so so ashamed really I was like here we were such build-ups you know like bring it out like yeah we're gonna do it yeah let's organize the party for after let's do this and that the next minute cha. Hollanders freaking celebrating I'm just like oh man obviously I can look back now after 216 and be happy for them but um, it's almost like they had to happen for us to be able to win 2016 because man what a what a way to come back and what a bunch of lads we had there next year to you know to learn that lesson from 15 and roll on yeah but it's interesting hearing you talk about people because when you go out in Wellington everyone knows you like you get I've been out in town with you or like been Obviously, I live with you for a bit, so we went to the supermarket and stuff. You like when you're walking down the supermarket, everyone stops or everyone everyone knows you and says g'day to you. You you are a big deal in Wellington, so like, do you feel that extra pressure when you when the side does win or uh, when the side does lose or whether you play good or bad? Do you feel like um, when you're going out there, you're being judged like that? I think. like yeah well we you take the good with the bad with right because we're so passionate you know like our fans and and we love playing for the fans we love playing for our family and if anything it's those big games and just knowing the history of the canes too you know we've never won one i think that was more Mm. you know and the fact that we're able to bring a game home you know and the form we had you know um but there's something new they always said in the all blacks you know those big games form means nothing it's really just who's there on the day and and that's literally what happened to us so um you just feel disappointed for the fact that you couldn't bring one home for the fans. And like I say, I, I could probably still be dark at that game if we never won 2016, but I'm allowed yeah. to let, let uh, dead dogs lie. So, yeah, <laughs> 2016, thank you very much. Yeah, now let's talk about 2016. We'll roll straight into that one. What a year that was. Started off very slow, um, but got there in <laughs> the end. What do you remember about that year? Yeah, I just remember getting a pasting from the Brumbies in our first game. Lonnie grabbing a pig for the boys, I think, the night before, and then that getting blamed for the reason we got a hiding, but I don't know if it was that. <laughs> um, and we had, like, oh, man, like, crisis meeting from way back for that game, and then obviously went through, and I think our def- when we decided to change our D, 
I think that was probably one of the the master strokes of um, what happened that year. Um, you know, just us coming up a bit, a bit more in the blitz. I think it caught a lot of teams uh, unawares, and then um, by the time they kind of cottoned on, um, it was a bit too late, and we kind of transformed our identity. Really, like Hurricanes yeah. always being a team of attack and expect the unexpected, and yet all of a sudden we were this um, this defensive unit that were just swarming and forcing teams back at every at every stride. So that's you know, and then obviously we won the final, but. I think that defensive masterstroke was uh, probably something that I'll never forget and how we managed to change in the middle of the year and, and win it that way. And there's another moment that sort of changed it all around too. It was a incident of the, the famous five, famous five guys who went out, <laughs> had, a big, had a big night in Africa when they weren't allowed to. I don't know if I forgot I that moment. We... Oh, no, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we lost the game after that and um, some say you give, you give yourself credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh look I'm always going to look for the bright side of things um it was one of those it was funny because um we're obviously we're in Durban and um we had an early dinner that night I think it was a Tuesday night early yeah. dinner and I think we were pretty much done by six o'clock and I I knew it was going to be my last season and I was like mm. what I'd never done because I love a punt like I'd probably normally go to the Casa and just sit there for a few hours and freaking play blackjack or play some play some poker that's normally what I like to do but I was like you know what I want to change it up I'm just going to go and have a drink, have a quiet drink by myself and just reminisce and then head back to the hotel because we had a curfew, obviously. And six o'clock, yeah. like, that's early doors, right? Anyway, one quiet drink, they decided to, oh, mate, your last year, we've got to make the most of this. Like, we've got to make the most of this. Let's, let's just come together and we'll just have one drink and we'll head home. I was like, bro, six o'clock, of course. Mate, I can't remember who ordered the shots, but <laughs> once the shots came in, like, can't really remember much after that. <laughs> mate i think well we got home after curfew 100 percent after curfew i got to my room my roomie i thought was out but i must have been making a hell of a noise freaking i think i must have spewed into the bloody toilet bowl or something i went for a piss fell over like i was in all sorts and anyway i woke up the next day i was in bed day off <laughs> next minute my roomie comes back after having a day out and then uh, he comes back and like, we're just lying there just talking. And then I'm like, Reg, um, did you hear me come in last night? He's like, bro, I thought you'd never ask. And I was like, <laughs> thought, I'd, thought I'd gotten away with it. And then, uh, yeah, the rest is history. But um, look, like, it's so funny because like, I was one of the names. Um, I'd, I'd never do anything like that. Like I never honestly, back yeah. in my days, I'd always like be the first guy to bed, never drink. And then I just thought, you know what? Like I've been in been like that for so long i'm just gonna enjoy myself but ended up having four other mates so yeah and then from then on um obviously we got dropped the boys uh we had a game we literally won from then on and uh that's why i like to say i just created a little bit more tightness between the brothers you know yeah. <laughs> the fact that we got pumped by the sharks too eh? like that probably made it so much more worse i reckon if we won oh. that game you probably wouldn't have been dropped Oh, yeah, exactly, ex exactly, bro, if uh, we had won that game, but obviously Sharks, you know, even up till then, we had a one there, and obviously, we actually trained really well, that's the crazy thing, we trained well on Thursday, tra trained well on Friday, and then Saturday, yeah. like, just literally, absolutely nothing, like, oh, mate, they spanked us, and so, deservedly so, we got dropped, and, you know, I, I guess the rest is history, and we just won eight on the trot, I think it was. And then what was it like once that final whistle had gone, 2016 final? You obviously get your tongue going for some reason. Any, <laughs> any story behind that one? <laughs> What's I, that all honestly, about? 
Yes, bro. Literally, it just happened in the moment. I think it happened the week before too. Like, I think <laughs> it was almost like I was trying to say I told you, but for some reason I just went started bringing the tongue out. I don't know what the hell. And I and I just remembered it for the next week because someone I think Bears hit me up the week before, like just before the phone. He's like, "What was that about?" I was like, "I don't know." But if I'm doing it again, mate, we'll be happy boys. <laughs> and so I just knew as soon as that whistle went, I had to do it again. So. Even though it meant absolutely nothing, it was just like my celebration after scoring in Wellington and the sevens. Like I never celebrate, so I, for some reason I just did the cross and put my hands up. And I've <laughs> not not a winger's celebration by any means. <laughs> oh, good times, good times at the Hurricanes. But one thing we haven't even mentioned about yet is your All Black career. When did when when was your debut for the All Blacks? It was in the June series in 2010 against Ireland. Um, so that was up in New Plymouth. And we played, uh, we played them, we beat them in all three games and I got a run. I was on the bench uh, against the Irish, came on in the second half with about 20 to go. Played against Ronan O'Gara actually as well, my, my now coach. Oh, so oh, yeah, um, so that's quite funny. Some of the boys have a bit of a laugh at our old time when the coach has pictures of me playing with them too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that was my debut. What was it like being named for the first time as well? That's always a moment that everyone loves. Oh, mate, it was um, absolute uh, heaven on earth, mate. Like, I absolutely dreamed of that moment uh, right from the get-go. And then it's funny, though, because, like, Ma, I'd hung around with him. Obviously, Ma was one of my boys in the Canes, and he'd always be dropping hints, you know? Like, he's like, bro, I reckon you'll be there. And I was like, don't, like, there was, I'd never talked to the coaches. There'd been nothing, like, no comms. Like, but, like, for most of the years, like, no, 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 I reckon you'll be sweet. But, like, you know, you can't think and go down that track because otherwise, you know, all of a sudden you're playing like an egg. And anyway, and so when it finally happened, um, you know, we were, I was sitting at home. Actually, Amber was there too. Literally met her two weeks before in the club. <laughs> and, she was, she was, and she was at the house with, with my family. And um, they, oh, we were in the back in the kitchen because, like, the naming was happening in the lounge where everyone was by the TV. And um, yeah. they were all watching. And all of a sudden, like, just heard this massive scream like i don't even watch it because i i was just so nervous i wanted to make it so bad and then when i heard that scream i knew i could finally join them and then yeah i freaking got a call uh from shandy and they told me the rest uh details what's packed and all that sort of thing so mm. man it was um it was a bit of a blur really and then media not long after like it's it's crazy man yeah. i think everyone talks about their first selection and what happens and it's definitely a moment you never forget did you feel comfortable going in there? No, <laughs> not at all, really. Um, I I was really just looking forward to finding um, finding my Wellington mates like Conrad and Ma and just really trying to get alongside those guys, you know, because those yeah. are the guys I know. We've got Perry as well, and there's old Net Mia. Um, I knew I'd be comfortable around them, but even then, like, you know, the, the All Blacks, you know, so much history and all that. It's Man, I was nervous. And my first ever roommate was, was Richie. And so, like, they always bloody do that. I figured that out later, but they always did it. And unfortunately, my plan came in before his. And so what I did was I got to the room and I saw there were no bags and I knew I was with him. And I was like, I can't choose a bed here. So I literally put my crap <laughs> put my crap to the side, like the concierge brought it up. And I went down for half an hour in the team room. And I just sat there and then Richie walked in and he was like, oh, mate, uh, concierge has got your, bag up, your bags upstairs. And I was like, oh, yeah, sweet, it is. <laughs> <laughs> went upstairs and and then I'd, I'd seen that he chose the the room uh, closest to the doors. So I was like, oh yes, yeah, we I'll go go to the other one. So, 
Mate, so nervous, bro. Like, I'm nervous talking about it now. Still, like, it's crazy what your body does, man. It's like, oh, yeah. And the rugby side of things, what was the biggest difference for you going into the All Blacks from a rugby point of view? I think the attention to detail um, was probably the biggest thing. Um, attention to detail and how long you had to concentrate for in meetings and just really just kind of the Socratic method too with the way they worked, like in terms of asking questions to anyone, you know, like I used yeah. to normally in the hurricanes, like it's kind of your leaders that talk a lot more and every now and then they might ask a young guy, but you know, we've got games every week, so we kind of just roll into it. But with the All Blacks, like every test is big, everyone's got to contribute, everyone's a leader on the day. So, um, you know, I, was, I figured out pretty quick though that you can't really look away too much because that's when they'll come for you. It's more like when they're looking for someone, like you just like look like, ask me but really it's like don't ask me <laughs> uh, I think that was the biggest thing was just being able to um, just to learn off the greats and have those guys around and you just didn't want to be the guy that asked a dumb question or you know like put a foot wrong in training but um, being a young guy that's always going to happen at some point so yeah it's uh, it was daunting but it definitely got easier with some of the lads that were there mm. and, and your debut start was that against Aussie? Debut start yes it was against Aussie yeah, what do you remember about that game? Oh, that game, what a game. Um, I remember starting on the blind side, and I remember we had a defensive scrum again. Here's my bane, the defensive scrum. And then I um, I think Ben Mickleman, he was at eight, and he, he picked the ball. But in the Hurricanes, because I was fast enough a couple of times at flank, I would go straight to the winger. And oh, so... Yeah. Because I could cover it, but that was just absolute noob. And I was just like, I left them completely and I went to the winger. Me and Izzy were in the middle of comms and then he was like, crowd set. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to get to the winger because he's the hardest guy. Literally, I just drifted off the eight. Obviously, he went through, made an offload and they scored a try to get ahead. We ended up winning that game. But after that, um, it was obviously the last game of the of the series. And then we had end of year announced and I missed out on that team literally literally because all the other games have been good literally because of that one tackle that I'd missed um mm. and so yeah that was a pretty you know pretty quick made in 2010 end of 2010 I hadn't even made the end of year tour I don't think anyone's had a quicker exit so, <laughs> so um, and that was and the hardest thing was you know those are the tough tests you know the June series and then playing the Springboks and the Aussies and then the fun one is the one when you get to go to the end of year and, and I didn't get to go on it so yeah. Made um learnt the learnt the harshness of the the Kiwi critics pretty quickly, um and if anything that's when Amber and I obviously uh, we just decided to go on a bit of a ticket tour so we went to the states, um and just did a massive trip through there for about three or four weeks and then came back just to just to have a bit of a, a an unwind. And what's it like going in and then back out because everyone's obviously so happy that you're an All Black they're calling you an All Black and then you you're back out of there straight away and it what's that like to deal with? Oh man, it's the first time's definitely the worst. Like, as they say, the first cuts the deepest, and I think it was just because of all the build up of actually making it, and and then just knowing it yeah. was just one, literally one mistake, and we obviously won the game, but you know I hadn't earned my stripes enough yet to to be making those sorts of mistakes, and then, you know, I, and I understood because I knew how cutthroat it was, I knew how hard it was to get there. Um, looking back, it's a little bit harsh. But um, at the same time, um, you know, we had so many talented guys like Adam Thompson, Liam Messam, like, you know, you don't, it's all black rugby, you don't make those sorts of mistakes and get away with it. So I think, um, and Jerome obviously didn't start that game just to just to give me a go. And so there's, you know, legends that you're keeping off if you're not going to be adding to the legacy. It's 
probably time you go figure out how to do it another time so it's uh it's tough man you know obviously people come around your family like people kind of like oh like they don't know what to say and you're kind of like just it's all right just talk to me i haven't died like life goes (laughs) on but um for a lot of people it kind of feels like that so the first time was hardest and then even the second time i got dropped um like that's the funny thing about all blacks journey literally double world cup winner like i was lucky enough to be around for those times but like literally got dropped a couple of times and then out with injury so it's almost like i was out of the team a few times but always mm. seemed to be coming back in uh so i've been pretty lucky for that journey I, I guess that kind of helped keep my keep my feet on the ground too to be fair and you spoke about the rugby world cup leading up to that 2011 rugby world cup did you did you think you were going to make that squad hell to the no um <laughs> so yeah 2011 um i was just playing uh minor 10 cup and we had our our short inversion like midweek games because obviously the the competition had to get done before the world cup at home and then um played a relatively decent game one time against canterbury at home i scored a try and set up a couple of others and then the all blacks had just happened to be in wellington that week and um i managed to catch them while they were training at rugby league and i was just talking to some of the coaches and they said you're playing good rugby but like it literally was just a conversation and passing and then i think we went away to play bad plenty that we won that game then they called me to come away uh, with them to to Port Elizabeth for one of their last tests before they named the named the team. And like I hadn't played with the team the whole year, you know, missed out end of twenty ten, hadn't played at all in twenty eleven, um, and so they asked me to come away because they wanted to rest guys like Richie and Kieran, I think as well. And so they, you know, I think they gave a start to like Tomo, uh, Liam, uh, and then other guys, and then myself. Like we were, I was going to be on the bench just to sort of give those guys a rest, and I was like well, okay, that makes sense. You've got to look after these guys. We've got a freaking big World Cup coming up. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, anyway, went away to PE. Um, Liam started. He came off. I went on. Did nothing special, but we lost that game. Um, and then they read out the team uh, that next morning. I was telling Amber that morning, like, can't wait to come home, can't wait to see you. And then they read out the team, and they didn't read out Liam, and they didn't read out a few other guys, and but they read out me. And... Um, Mate, I was, I just didn't believe it, man. It was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, they didn't have any combos, no nothing. Literally, it came in as a gap filler, like, literally best of the rest to come help out. But, um, mate, yeah, literally happened just like that. And then they talked to me on the way. But then we had one more game, actually, sorry, go through Brisbane. We had to go back home through Brisbane to play the Aussies. And then Kieran actually got injured in the first 10 minutes, I think he did. And then, yeah, I came on, and I'll never forget, Brad Thorne was like, this is now where you make your mark, mate play tough so this big thorny mate he's friggin legend and then (laughs) they just gave me the confidence i needed you know um and we ended up uh, i think we won that game in the end with uh richie scoring try but yeah anyway like oh no sorry we lost that game so we lost two on the trot lost two on the trot heading into a world cup but personally i had a pretty good game um and so it just gave me a bit more confidence to to know that maybe i did belong to to try help the boys get a world cup on home soil wow that's crazy to hear and so what was it like going leading into that World Cup? Obviously, the whole weight of the nation was on the All Blacks. Everyone had high expectations. Everyone was right. The country got right in behind that one, eh? So what was that like playing in that tournament? Mate, um, I think the pool rounds were, were awesome. Like, it's, it was just so nice being at home, being close to all your family, having everyone so close to be able to visit and have midweek lunches, you know, doing things you'd never be able to do, you know, normal tests when you're traveling and back and forth. Um, but then obviously come, you know, quarters and semis and finals, I think, um, yeah, obviously the anxiety started kicking in for the nation and 
all of a sudden you couldn't be having a coffee down in the lobby at 7.30 at night. Everyone's yeah. thinking you should be upstairs uh, getting some rest and all that kind of thing. So <laughs> the pressure was definitely um, getting transferred onto the boys. So we kind of had to just hold up a little bit and stay in our rooms and do the right things in the eyes of the public because you know, that's probably one thing about being at home is you know you can't be out doing movies and stuff because everyone's got an opinion as to what a professional should be doing. So yeah. you know, luckily, um, the weight of a nation literally uh, was able to be allevi- alleviated uh, once we won that fin- after that final whistle against the French. But um, holy heck, there was a lot of pressure. So how did the 2015 World Cup compare? Did you was it a similar situation? Did you think you were going to make it this year? Because like I've already mentioned, you were in and out of the um, squad quite a bit. Mm, um, 2015, yeah, that was um, yeah, like I got injured with my neck in 2014, and so I'd been out for quite a while, uh, and, and I got injured in Super Rugby, and so I didn't manage to get away uh, to play any of that June series with the All Blacks. In fact, I played one game. Um, but then I had to take some time out because of my neck injury and I just thought well I hadn't played any rugby didn't even get to play Mitre 10 and then uh, I ended up playing a couple of Mitre 10 games and luckily um, got the call up for the end of year but hadn't done anything special there were still guys like Stephen Law Toy he had an amazing season Paddy Tupolotu came in you know and obviously the, mm-hmm. the split with Locks and Lucy's all those things come into play and again mate, I just got lucky 2015 I think Stephen Law Toy was out with an injury Paddy Tupolotu needed to have surgery. Um, and then I played a game in Eden Park, literally the last game before the All Blacks team got announced. And I started and I played really, really well. Um, and so I um, just put my hand up again and we ended up taking uh, six Lucys uh, in the end to the, to the World Cup. I, you know, I think um, kind of forced my way in there. So and we only took, up, took three locks. So it was... Mate, again, just lucky to be around when, um, you know, because I know if Paddy Toops was available, it probably would have been just easier to take four locks, which you, you normally would. So, mm-hmm. mate, I just, yeah, just lucky again, really. And how did, how did that tournament compare, footy-wise? Oh, I think, um, yeah, there was so much less pressure for some reason. Like, yes, the pressure was there because it won the year before, but we were away from home. We knew, we actually enjoyed being in enemy territory. Uh, if anything and we um and we knew with the experience of having 2011 that that monkey was off the back and if anything it was just a nice warm wind at our back to help us experience wise a lot of those guys are still there obviously with Richie Dan Ma you know all these greats and you know that team had a bunch of guys that just knew how to win and the rest of us young guys obviously that are there just helping it along but you know those guys were mm-hmm. pretty much able to coach the teams the team themselves in the last in the last couple of weeks because of uh, just all the experience they had from 2011 and obviously between um, mate, it was unreal. It was unreal that uh, we just didn't feel like we were going to lose, to be fair, in a lot of those games. Uh, the only game was probably against South Africa was um, was where it was quite tight in the semi-final, but otherwise um, yeah. it just felt it just felt almost destined, really, but especially for those guys that, that finished up their careers in that year. Mm-hmm. And what are the celebrations like? What's the celebration like after Rugby World Cup? You've obviously experienced two of them, so... <laughs> oh, 2011 was pretty special because um, obviously our friends and family all around and Mate, I, I actually probably can't remember much after 5 a.m. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> I had to get dragged into the bus for the for the parade because I heard the chanting outside our room. Like everyone, like the streets were absolutely packed. Obviously, um, everyone half cut out trying to get the All Blacks out of their bed. So it was freaking, yeah. mate. It was awesome. And then obviously in uh, in London, we celebrated going into town. Um, had a <laughs> Radley night on the town. Had a had a few photos pop up with boys 
by the paparazzi over there freaking coming out a bit worse for wear in the middle of london but uh <laughs> mate it was it was good times it was good times and uh yeah just ended up having a good flight home as well uh, obviously drinking the whole way so mate it was pretty good to to have little billy come back with us obviously um the world cup it was mean mate two-time rugby world cup winner how good is it oh so lucky bro it's been awesome lucky to have played with some awesome players bro just there to do my part i guess but one thing that has stood out about your black career that we've sort of spoken about is your sort of inability to cement yourself as a first choice all black i mean you've got all the attributes you're big fast strong got all the skills what do you reckon held you back from you know like being a hundred cap all black um it's funny you ask like yeah it's probably one thing that steve steve hansen always said to me like you'd always ask a question i'd say something he's like mate just don't overthink it like don't overthink it and i think i've always been someone that was a bit of an overthinker like probably because um like i said i came through scots i broke this all down obviously in my years after i've left but um after i left when i was at scots like we had no real game plans we didn't have set piece stuff we didn't do any rugby theory like there was no literally it was give a couple of us the ball and i was one of them and we just play like there was no and then by the time i made like rugby rugby squads that had proper like ids and misses and all this other stuff and rap moves i was like literally it was just above me it was like algebra bro it was like absolute hieroglyphics trying to read it for me um and so a lot of the time i'd be always trying to do more homework always trying to think that i was way behind the ball like the eight ball and that i wasn't quite ready so i'd always be overthinking things and so if anything that was my biggest challenge was just just trusting myself you know just trusting myself that i know my roles i know what i'm doing and part of that's also to do with my school like i said like i'm always thinking about what if like i've always got preparation scenarios instead of just freaking staying in the moment so there was a battle that i always had and i timed it well enough to, to have a decent resume but like you say um I'd, I'd love to have uh been a little bit more in the moment and just trusting myself back in those days but there's no regrets it's just interesting to have to have uh thought back to it yeah if you could go back how would you do that differently uh i probably yeah i don't know like i i feel like it couldn't have happened any other way to be honest like i just because i became quite studious you know studying the game and knowing trying to know different roles and um obviously i was on the bench as well for the all blacks a lot and i always had to know six seven and eight and the roles right. were pretty different um and we didn't want to shift anyone around when they came in like we wanted our jumpers like all the guys for them to do their role the best i needed to know every single role really really well and i think definitely played in my mind a little bit because it was like yeah. if i was doing richie's role i'll be following the rucks a lot if i was doing lom's role I'd probably be hanging out a little bit more but obviously a little bit more ball carrying if i was doing rito's role I'll be swinging in and out of the off the team every now and then like it was it was quite a lot for me to take in as a sub but i relish that challenge too um it probably clap, like clamped me up a little bit but i i love that part of it too because yeah it, i would have loved to have strung more starts together to be fair like if i was able to get more starts i probably in one role that would have been awesome but um mate you know when you get a first start and you make a bad reader an eight like you're not going to get trusted very often so hopefully um and you've got guys like kieran and richie and, and jerome like i was never ever um unaware of the fact that you got some pretty great players um ahead of you mate so interesting to hear was there anyone who sort of helped you sort of go through that journey of your decluttering are you still are you still like that you're still overthinking the game a little bit or what, oh. what sort of helped you through this I think if anything it's just time you know like by the time 
funnily enough, by the time I'd left the Canes, or well, by the time I hit 2015, and by the time I hit 2016 and left, I was in a great zone. Like, I, mm. I knew myself, I knew what I could do, I knew what I wasn't good at, and what I needed to work on, but not focus on it so much. I think my All Black journey, I, I always wanted to be, they wanted me to defend like Jerry or, um, or Loms, and they wanted me to run like this and that, but I could only ever be me, you know, and I, and I lost sight of that. And so, um, yeah, like getting reshaped, like reshaped and remolded a lot of the time, I think I just lost my way a little bit. But now, like, mate, as age, you know what it's like as you get older, you just sort of know yourself. And, mate, I think by the time I got here to France, I was just ready to pop. Like, and I had, a, and I had an awesome season here in France. Like, I, it was great too. They had no, not too many roles, just play and offload and see how it goes and that's all I did and I loved it it was awesome so what did inspire that move to France you were you just won the super rugby you just played 100 games you were still an all black why the move oh um I think I just intuitively knew it was uh time for something different um I signed to leave a month or so after the 2015 world cup win and Look, 100% the offer from La Rochelle was great. Um, and obviously, less time away from family that played into it. But I think in the end, it came down to a conversation um, with Shag, who was pretty um, pretty positive about me staying on. But um, the truth is, I only really ever wanted to play eight. I mean, that was a position that I'd come through with the Canes in, obviously Lions as well. I only ever wanted to play eight. And it was obviously going to be pretty hard with, with Rito there now, rightfully as captain. Um, and then obviously, there was uh, Loms and... Sammy Kane, who were gunning their positions, and so again, it'd probably just be, you know, a position as a sub for the ABs, and you know, I'd done that already for a while now, and um, I, I could have continued to do that again, but um, I think I just knew my value, so I just, you know, all of these things came together really for me to make the decision to to move and try something different. Was it always La Rochelle? I imagine someone of your caliber would have had plenty of different offers on the table to decide between. There was one other. There was Ulster. Um, I could have gone to Ulster, um, but that was, you know, you know, when people would describe Ulster to me as being like cold and freezing and wet, I was like, oh hell no! Like, uh, definitely going to need to go somewhere with a bit of sunshine. And then, obviously, uh, La Rochelle was the other option. That you know, seaside town. I just thought, man, that's just like Welly, and so um, just in France. And so, mate, it was. Yeah, I thought it was just the the right time to go. And obviously, Piggy was here. He told me. Um, Mate, it's great people, great team. And I watched some of their highlights and there's this guy, Lavani Butti. I was like, mate, I think these guys have got some good boys, eh? And then, honestly, got here and the lads were on a roll by the time I got here. And I was just, man, again, timing along for the ride. And man, I loved every second of it. And how did the family find the move? Oh, family found it tough, to be fair. Uh, the first, yeah. first six months is definitely tough, as you, you know, the language barrier. And there's so many... Um, so much paperwork over here you know there's so mm-hmm. much uh so much bureaucracy to get through like you know just to set up a bank account or even just buy a mobile phone you got to like give yeah. eight different forms of id and you're like hey no well not that many but like it's it's crazy <laughs> honestly you gotta it's, it's crazy over here and it's one thing you just learn about france and you get over it after six months and it's only really it took us a couple of years to be really comfortable without being able to go find good cafes and you know live life like it was back home and one thing that Looks like you've picked up really well as your French. I see you doing fluent interviews in French these days. So, mate, you're a, you're a wizard. <laughs> mate, you'd hope so after five, nearly six years. But, yeah, look, I think the first year that I had here was probably the catalyst to that. You know, um, our team wasn't expected to do much. And then all of a sudden, we're winning back-to-back games and the boys are going out on the town every week. And 
nothing uh, takes out that overthinking more than a beer, you know. So all of a sudden, the language <laughs> was just getting chucked out there and just going back and forth. And mate, I was just fully immersed in it, and um, yeah. that was the best way to learn. Luckily, it was all pre-COVID, obviously. So yeah, it was a good way to go. And three beautiful kids. Are they how are they going with their French and lifestyle over there? Yeah, got Carlos who just turned seven, uh, Cruz who's five, and Talia who's two, turning three. Um, yeah, they they had their challenges. Like Carlos, you know, he could tell that um, we weren't in New Zealand anymore for when we, we first got here at nearly two years old, and he took a while getting used to the nunu and the language. He's just they would be talking to him, and he's just like, nah, just like bust out crying, like wasn't happy one bit. Um, yeah. But he got used to it. Cruz was born here, um, and so he's just recently started liking speaking French. He's just so stubborn, like, because we speak Samoan at home as well. So three languages yeah. is a bit, a little bit much on the kids, I guess, but um, they're starting to come around. And Talia, she's um, she's the little girl that just runs around just confident as because she knows she's got two older brothers around her. So she's she's a laugh, man. So you're fluent in Samoan, French, and obviously English. <laughs> English isn't so bad, but yeah. Um, <laughs> the French and Samoan, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, luckily enough, three languages. Um, don't speak anywhere near enough Samoan at the moment. It's only really when I see my mum or on, on FaceTime and that. So, yeah, I'd love to, once I get back, to, to get cracked into that a bit more too. But I'd love to keep my French as well. It's been pretty pretty cool having that. Can Amber speak French? Uh, <laughs> not as well as she should. Not as well as she should. To be fair to her, though, like, she's been living at home living the life of a stay-at-home mum and she doesn't really and obviously COVID's like rocked our world like we can't go out as much and and socialize so mm-hmm. you know she her conversations unfortunately are just with me and a few other foreign wives and doesn't get to go out often and see other Frenchies so um she can she can understand a lot though but she she just needs yeah. to back herself a bit more just that probably she's a bit of an overthinker like me too I think and we've sort of spoken about your plans like your your body's your body's sore but you're coming to the end of your contract have you have you made much of a plan? Do you know what's ahead for you? Um, oh, mate, it's a, it's a hard one at the moment. I mean, it's all... I've got a bit of a rest now because of the ballies. So um, my knee feels <laughs> not so bad, you know? So I'm telling myself, look, I'm just going to wait it out and see how I go because, um, you know, the mind's willing. The mind's ready to, to go again. And obviously, I think La Rochelle, we can make a real good go of it this year again because we made literally two finals last year and missed out. So I'm hoping that, that that record runs like the way it was for us in the Hurricanes and we can win one this year. But um, yeah, I'm just looking off, looking at the knee and how that's going and then I'll be able to make some more uh, more decisions. But whether I finish up or not, not sure, mate. It's uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to finish up. But also if this knee's good, who knows? I might sign on for one more. So what is the plan when you finish up? I know you're someone who's put a lot of time and effort into your life after rugby plan and you're someone who's obviously going to be very successful once you do finish what what is the plans oh mate if i choose to finish up i think if anything um like you say luckily i've got a bit of a you know i've been able to get a couple of properties that can provide a little bit of income there and half of wellington (laughs) (laughs) shit no 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 um it's going to be able to put food on the table and whatnot so we won't be pressured that much but i know we're going to still want to put our minds in and hearts into some something you know yeah maybe a business or something but i don't know i've just got to go back and sample some stuff because i literally don't know mate like mm. i've been doing this job for 17 odd years um i think i'm just going to go and have to try and fail a few different things and then i'll know what i don't like and and just mm. pick it up on the way like everyone else i guess um 
it's you know it's funny like you, a lot of people think you got to have it figured out and then i talked to some guys even like conrad a couple of years ago i asked him he's like mate i don't really know i'm like mate conrad smith are you sure <laughs> i mean like, he always had a law degree and he's pretty switched on but you know that you know it doesn't necessarily mean he'd, he'd wanted to be a lawyer per se so mate it's a it's a question that's always tough but um you know recently i started speaking to a therapist actually just um we had a bit of a service um through the canes uh old, the the canes old, old boys network and yeah. um we used the lady from there and she wasn't so bad but wasn't quite aligned with uh how i wanted to do things and then i met another another lady who got recommended to me by a good mate who had used her as well and if anything it was just to sort of uh dig into some stuff as to find some blind spots i guess as to where i you know because I'm, I'm confident in who i think i am or who i know i am but it's always good to you know we talked about overthinking before but i'm sure there's other friggin uh things i've got about me that i need to be aware of if i'm really going to be okay once uh once this game finishes up mate that's so cool so did you just what made you think that you needed to go see a therapist or someone was it was was something happening or you just genuinely just interested to find out more about yourself i was honestly i was just generally interested because you know there's you know there's quotes around like you, you you're the probably the easiest person to fool you know yourself and so yeah. i just thought man like i feel like i'm all right but I just would love to hear the perspective of someone that's trained and able to sort of give you an insight into some of your habits and what you've done and who you are and why you do certain things. Um, and man, it was, it was worth it. You know, I've only done a couple of sessions now, but um, the first one's just a real casual conversation, getting to know each other. But then after that, like you could dig in and talk, go through some history and stuff that's happened to you in the past. And it wasn't anything per se, but it was just real, yeah. I could see like you know it's gonna life is gonna change and i knew that and there's gonna be challenges ahead and i just wanted to make sure i knew a little bit more about myself before i took myself out of the safety that is rugby really mate that's so cool because when you think about a therapist or a counselor you often think people are struggling or um they're going through something tough but you've been proactive with it with that and you've i guess um bulletproofing yourself for what's about to happen yeah, I mean, I've, I'm luckily, you know, I've got a, I've got a good mate who, um, who had used this person before, and he's in the states, and over in America, like everyone's got a therapist. Like I think it's just yeah. over in uh, back home, in New Zealand, and maybe Aussie, but like that, it's seen as like a bottom of the cliff sort of thing. Like you say, um, just yeah. waiting for yeah, exactly. something to go wrong in your life before you hit them up. But literally, nothing's going wrong in people's lives in America, in the states, and they just go see them just to unload and talk about what's going on and even the good things you know they like to share that and mm. um i thought you know when he told me that i was like man well that's um that's actually a really good way to look at it you know so mm. um and i was supporting him the whole time going man you got to do it man you got to do it and then he was like well what about you and i was like oh uh bro i'm all good eh and he was like hey 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 you just told me that it's all good and you don't want it i was like all right you know what okay you're right and so um yeah, yeah i just ended up putting in an email to the canes and then obviously to this other lady and man i loved it so it's um i'm, I'm going to be setting up another session soon just to just to have another check because you know it could be done in six months and yeah a lot of things mm -hmm. change for me and my family and and what that looks like obviously it's um it's my own perspective that's going to have to to shift with everything well so cool and what what options have you got i know you're you're a talented actor you're you're into <laughs> politics yeah you've got so many options you're a good dancer what what are you thinking <laughs> hey, life after that's up <laughs> um oh, man, oh in terms of options oh look honestly i'm not even 
if anything, my main my main goal is to get if I do finish up is to get home and set up the kids, yeah. um, and then just just see where it goes from there. You know, take it day by day. Um, I'm, I really love my my last time back home. I was home for for about a month and caught up with a few friends and it looked like mate, it just went by so quickly and they were all doing such awesome things and like running their own businesses and doing things and oh mate, I just being able to be amongst that and get inspired. I think naturally I just I just want to learn, you know, again and I think um that's what is quite exciting about the other side of footy. Like I haven't learned everything in footy by any stretch of the imagination, but there's always going to be a transition coming at some point. And I think there was one game actually where I took a head knock and I was a bit slow for about 10 days to two weeks. And mate, I, I just was like, man, the last thing I want to do is freaking lose my marbles and not be able to, to actually use my brain and do, yeah. you know, there's a lot of living to be done after footy, you know? So I think that's what kind of prompted uh, some of these uh, proactive moves, I guess. And yeah, I think that's, uh, I'll just go home and chill, get the kids right. Cause obviously I've got my family to think about. And then, then Amber and I will go from there because, you know, she's been living her life here this whole time, being a mother, and I'm excited to see what she wants to do as well, you know, so that's that's all in the next step. Yeah, and she's a very driven and um, intelligent person as well, isn't she? So I'm sure she's got some pretty um, big goals that she wants to achieve as well. Yeah, she's got some good little ideas, and, man, I'm, like, pretty quick to try and steal them. I'm like, yep, yep, I reckon we should do this, <laughs> this, and then she's like, whoa, 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 this is my idea. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right, but... um. I'll surely I'll be helping you a little bit. She's like, yeah, yeah, but get your own. I'm like, yeah, oh, shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it. No doubt whatever you choose, you too will be very, very successful. Anyway, as always, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions. And Victor Vito, Samoan <laughs> all-black legend, has got so many questions come in. And a lot of them actually were about what we've already talked about, the Samoan switch. Would you be keen to make that um, change, which you obviously already spoken about but first question um who is your favorite young player currently um i quite like caleb clark um he's i just love watching the way he runs a bit like his old man and his massive ass thighs going so fast like he's and the way he just backs himself i think um yeah i always love that you know he came into the environment and then pretty soon after he was ripping it up and i always love seeing young guys rip it up like that uh, straight off the bat so yeah caleb clark Mate, he's a little bit like you if you chose on the, chose to play Wang. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Hell of a lot more explosive than me, bro. He freaking doesn't go down for anyone, that guy. <laughs> okay, next one. Do you still have your Michael Jackson CD? <laughs> Who the hell was that? Um, mate, I love you some MJ. Um, not in CD, but I've definitely got a lot of MJ on my, on my Spotify playlist now. Are you a big Michael fan? Dancing, oh, singing? Yeah. <laughs> mate love little mj it's uh yeah he's a bit of a legend eh, isn't he i mean bloody hell he's uh yeah he's everything for me when i was young and yeah i always wanted to go to one of his concerts but uh unfortunately i uh, wasn't old enough to go so yeah it is what it is okay next one uh i'd love to know what he thinks of ronan ogara as a coach oh ronan mate um no nah, ronan's a good coach he's He's pretty approachable, you know, he's, he's pretty good in that way and that he's actually quite open to having a yak about how you might want to see the team rolling as a player and then working it into the game plans and that. But then also he's got a good, he's big, big picture thinker, you know, like uh, he gets the boys motivated, loves his videos as well. <laughs> loves a hype up video, we literally do one every week. So <laughs> it's, uh, we're always quite excited, it gets the boys going, trying to see what's uh, what's coming up next and um, mate, it's, 
it's very good for the environment. So, no, Rona has been pretty good. Oh, that's good to hear. Gay, next one. Uh, what did it mean for you to become a Samoan chief? Yeah, that was um, that was a, a big milestone for me personally. It was more because my uh, more at the time my granddad he wasn't in the best health and he had his uh, his chief title that he wanted to bestow upon some of the young uh, some of the boys. So there were four of us actually, uh, the sons of his eldest, his four eldest, and um, yeah, it, it meant a lot. Now obviously now I can um, I can vote in some politics and whatnot. I haven't been able to do that, obviously not being over there. But um, yeah, it just gives me a little bit more standing as well, just to help out with my family and uh, I think that's something that's always been there another reason why I always sort of thought ahead as to as to how I'm going to be looking after my family and loved ones uh, once this game's finished with me. So what is the role of a chief? Oh at the moment to be honest it's just every now and then you might have to give some money to the village if there's a whalabalave like a, a death or a um, it literally means bother in Samoan like a bother <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's a wedding or a funeral basically any time that you've got to come together and put some money in and it doesn't happen very often. My grandma normally gives me a yell if um, if I need to help out. And if uh, there's some decisions uh, pertaining to the family, um, we have a little bit of a say. But if anything, grandma and my mums and all that get the say anyway. That but we get to speak at least. But they don't listen every time. <laughs> <laughs> have you been back to Samoa since you've become a chief? Yeah, I went back. We had a reunion in 2018. And uh, yeah, just literally it was just a quick hello to the village where I'm a chief. Um, and then it was just to the reunion from there. And yeah, Amber and I talk quite often about how how centering it was to go back. And the kids loved it because you're just so free, like everything's so cheap and uh, your life is pretty pretty relaxed over there. But obviously um, not many entrepreneurial uh, things able to really <laughs> launch over there. So Online, mate. Online. <laughs> Nah, yeah, but so yeah, we love it back there, and we've even talked about having a place there one day. So, we'll see. True. Hey, so many options. Okay, next one. Victor Vito would be the captain of my all-time Skucks fifteen. Who else would he have in his side? <laughs> captain, oh shit. Um, fifteen Skucks guys. Oh man, I don't know. I think I. I'm lucky to be there. I'll, I'll just go Sunny Bill. Obviously, he's, uh, everyone loves that guy. Um, yeah, I well, know. There's. Too many discuss guys. Jimmy Ma, you got to be up there, mate. Nelson's finest, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Least Skucks. I mean, Silver Surface fifteen or Skucks fifteen. <laughs> no, mate. I can't name the um. No, thanks. That's a great compliment. I don't know. That's a yeah. Skucks fifteen. I'm lucky to be there. Okay, next one. What's the secret to being so shredded? <laughs> oh, you'd be able to tell us, Jimmy. Intermittent fasting, mate. Do you still do it? Oh, nowhere near as much as I should, man. Like, yeah, I honestly, I've just been, I think, because we have breakfast provided for us here by the club. And when I first got here, literally, I was still into a bit of fasting, didn't eat in the mornings until like two or three in the afternoon. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, like you actually got fined if you didn't come to breakfast. And so, oh, <laughs> well, the boys find you just, it's just a thing. The Frenchies, they love a little, uh, they love pranks. They love doing fines. You'd love it here, bro. You'd absolutely love it here. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I just, got over sitting down and just drinking coffee you know i started eating and since then i've just do it like literally when i start seeing a little bit of hanu going around the gut i just like oh yeah i probably need to tighten the ship up for a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> but i've been there so yeah intermittent fasting i definitely swear by it so did you do that throughout your hurricanes and all black career yeah i did that pretty much every day throughout my whole career yeah. um 
would avoid breakfast. Uh, sometimes if I felt like it was going to be a big day, I'd have a little bit, but uh, generally I'd be intermittent fasting most of the time. And there's all sorts of kill the gene videos of you on YouTube. Was that, what was that? Was that, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, there was um, me and Arden, me and my best mate Ari, we, um, we were just trying to release a book and we thought we'd do it on intermittent fasting about killing the gene, killing the fat gene, we called it, just a bit of a marketing ploy there. Um, yeah. And just because I was a bit tubby, obviously, and even in high school, and then literally um, did sevens, intermittent fasting, and yeah, managed to get a decent rig, I guess. And then, yeah, he decided to make a book around it. And we did some videos, bro, it was crack up, like me working out, <laughs> pointing at the camera, like pouring water on my, oh, mate, it's so cringe to think back to now. But yeah, love a little bit of acting, done a, love a bit of acting. You know that, freaking doing your videos for, for Hammer's, uh, for Hammer when you was away. <laughs> One of the greats. <laughs> Oh, would you would you seriously get into acting? I remember, like Shortland Street was always a semi goal for you at some point. Would you would you like to do that? I'll talk it down now, but secretly, I'll be very very happy if I was able to do an acting career after this. Um, mate, yeah. I would love to give it a go. I'd love to give it a go. <laughs> Why not? Once the kids are settled, we'll see what happens, and I might have to fly off to Hollywood now. Because <laughs> you're good mates with The Rock too, aren't you? And People compare him to you? Nah, shit, no, no. I'm uh, his one of my best mates is his cousin, so I was able to give him a jersey one time. But literally, that's nah. I'm not good mates with the Rock. Don't go that far, Jimmy. You're good though. You're good. <laughs> Would you message him to, for an acting career, even if it was like a, um, you know, the who are the guys in just the, the cousin they brought in a plate, a plate of breakfast or something. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. No, would not have the balls to message him at all. But um, acting would be pretty cool. Like, I'm already acting already. Like, friggin' playing rugby. You don't go around town trying to tackle people in town. So, just a different <laughs> role. <laughs> yeah. Playing a different character. Who would play you in a movie? Uh, I have this argument with Tawid all the time because he says we are like these bad boys. Obviously, there's. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, and he says, I'm Martin Lawrence, but I'd have to say Will Smith. <laughs> I would love Will Smith to play me. <laughs> Who played you in the, um, the kick, the Beaver movie? Do you know? I think there was a guy bringing in the waters that never made the screen. <laughs> that would probably be me, bro. I, was, I did not think I was even there. <laughs> Should have called oh, me, I would have been king. <laughs> yeah, play yourself. Okay, last one, last question. Best piece of advice Vic DeVito has for our listeners? <sighs> Just whatever it is you're going to do, back yourself. Uh, no point uh, half-assing it. I think um definitely learned that obviously throughout my career and obviously through the shit we've had. Um, if you're going to do something, just back yourself and no reservations. Oh, I knew it. It was a classic. Vic DeVito's oh, advice. Oh, just came from Mate, I could see you just hit a zone and you went for it. Oh, poetry <laughs> in motion. <laughs> You've got a gift. That's something you could definitely follow. Advice, yeah. mentoring, something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate, obviously, unreal yarn. Really appreciate you giving up your time and coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been awesome following your journey. Obviously, our wives are best friends and... Mate, I was lucky enough to live with you guys for a for a year there and um, see how it all rolled and you took me under your wing and mate, been awesome following your journey since then and 
um, seeing you progress through the All Blacks, win the Double World Cups and become a French legend. It's been um, pretty special to watch. And what I'm most looking forward to seeing is what you do after rugby because I know whatever you do do, you're going to you're gonna kill it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that and really appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving up your time, mate. No, thanks, Jim. Um, you know, it's um, I'm always pretty pretty nervous with these sorts of things with podcasts. I don't really do them, but, um, mate, I've, I was always going to be happy to, to try to do them with what a lad. It's awesome seeing how well you're doing and giving a platform to the lads to to share some of their thoughts and that. So, man, I really appreciate you as well and really appreciate you uh, wanting, to, wanting to have a chat. You're one of the greats. Appreciate it, brother. Cheers, bro.